Welcome to Shrinkwrapped. I'm Allison Colorosi here with Dr. David Colorosi, and I'm really excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to talk to you also. Can I, let me start with a story, a parenting story, but I know that the punchline is that I, I didn't do a great job. It wasn't my best performance. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. So you come home and you have to go to a dinner, a work dinner, so I've got to take the kids to basketball. So you go to basketball and they get there. We walk right in. They're divided up into two teams. One group is Lino's group. Lino's just turned five. Everybody else is, what, six and seven? And Lino is- <laughs> So cute. He, but he looks like a three-year-old in comparison to everybody else there. <laughs> Lino goes there and immediately takes a nap. He is sleeping on the hardwood floor within like three minutes. By the way, and let's just say we're there for three minutes. In that three minutes, he has run back and forth to me to rehydrate from all the exercise that he's getting. Like the kid is bloated and then takes a nap on the hardwood floor. Hardwood floor. He doesn't do and, that with me. Well, and then, and then Enzo's group is doing like just calorie burner things. So the first thing they start off doing is, you know, like a lap around the hardwood floor. And then they do suicides, which is like where you, go, well, they don't call them suicides anymore. They're um, like lovers or like happies or something like that. They don't want to use the word suicide. So, you know, this is where you mm-hmm. go like from, when I grew up, it was, you go from the baseline to um, uh, free throw line, back, half line, back, other free throw line, back, baseline, and back. So they do that and Enzo does well. He participates. <laughs> all, we're all good. Then we move to actual gameplay. And, you know, kids grouped, they clump together and they're just passing the ball like four feet to each other. Okay. The, the hoops are lower. I mean, it is a, it's an eight-year-old's game. Enzo is 25 feet away from where the ball is the whole time. I'm watching, I'm going like, it's just no big deal. I don't care. You're just playing basketball. It's fine. It's fine. But he's like going up and down. He never gets the ball from anybody. Not because he's not good enough. He's good at shooting. He's probably better at dribbling than everybody else. But he never gets the ball because he can't get, he won't engage. He's just too passive. He won't engage. And so I think, Father, you know what I'm going to do is I'll take a picture of it. That way he'll see, and he'll be able to go look at the game tape and revise his performance next time. So I do that. Then we get home and I say, Enzo, you, I loved how hard you tried. Enzo, I loved how you, know, you beat some kids in the, in the sprints. Great job. Your dribbling looks fantastic. But there's this one thing that you could do a little bit better, which is engage in the actual game when you're, when you're playing it. And then Enzo's goes, Dad, you don't. Dad, it's about spacing. I, I was like, he's, you know what I mean? Like he's just talking about like he's really like, I obviously don't understand the game. So I go, okay, let me show you on my phone. And I go, and I put the phone on the, I scrolled the picture. It was just over the clump of kids playing where the ball was. And then I go, where are you? And I'm not in there. And then I scroll over mm-hmm. like four swipes to Enzo, who's on the, uh, you know, almost out of bounds. And I go, there's, there's no way the ball is going to get there. And he gets, he got sensitive about it. Then I'm like, well, but you did a great job, but I, I, that did not land well. That wasn't my finest parent. I should have just said, I don't care and let the coach deal with it. Mm. Learning how to take feedback is an important skill. It's a gift, David. That I gave, I gave him a gift. You give me lots of gifts. <laughs> I do think it's important. He has, we have to teach him how to take feedback, you know? There's probably not a lot of fathers out there that are taking videos of their eight-year-old playing basketball, though. Maybe not. I'm <laughs> more, more concerned that you let Lino lay face down. He was terrible. I think he, he never does that with me. He always plays. He came back. I, I could not get tired. him off my lap. I think and he just goes back there, and then, and then I finally go, I go Lino. I picked, put him up on my lap. I said, look. We're here to play basketball. We came all the way here. You need to play. 
And if you don't play, you're going to be frustrated at the end of this because Enzo is going to get a piece of gum. You're not going to get gum if you don't play. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to bribe him. And he goes, okay. So then he runs out there, gets right into the mix of all the kids, takes a nap on the floor. And then the coach is like, what do I do with this kid? And she's like trying to get him to get, he won't even get off the floor when the coach is saying get off the floor. I think He's like a zombie yeah, out there. He, I think this time change has been rough early now. I have also felt really roughed up by this time change. I'm off my, I'm off my A game. I feel tired all the time, but I still can't sleep. It's really strange. Yeah. So anyway, that's the latest. <laughs> but also you watched the Chris Rock special. Yes. I wanted to talk to you about the Chris Rock special. So what'd you think? I thought it was so funny. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to hear what he had to say about the slap. But you have to watch the first 10 minutes to under, because he like circles back around. So in the first 10 minutes, it's really good. He's talking about selective outrage. Yeah. And then he circles back around to Will Smith's selective outrage. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I I thought it was so funny. I thought it was, I mean, it's interesting because I did a reaction. I did two reactions to Will Smith's. I'm sorry, I've done three reactions to Will Smith's behavior, like you, over the oh, years. Oh, you have. Yeah, I did one when it came out that they had a an open marriage, and I just did like, does do open marriages work reaction? Um, Hold on. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> this on, one. <laughs> like as the experiment unfolded after the slap. <laughs> yes. What bothers me about Will Smith, what bothers me about Will Smith and what bothers me about Jada Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, is that they are like all these like just blowhards are so confident in their perspective. And like Will Smith always has to have a different way of looking at things and doing things and, you know, his raising his children in a different way. And then he just has to tell everybody about how his way is the best way. I don't necessarily think that open marriages don't work. There's a lot of research saying that they can work, but the foundation of it is you have to both be on the same page 100%. What doesn't work is if one person is wanting you to be faithful and the other one is sleeping with her son's friend. Is that, that doesn't accurate? Work. It was yeah. her son's friend. Yeah. So she, it's, she would be on MILF Manor. I think she would, <laughs> except for she would execute maybe better than the MILFs on the show. So, <laughs> so, she, so she sleeps with, August. I think his name is August Augustana, something like that, a, a rapper that's friends with her son. And she like ruins this young man's life because he goes on the new, he gets interviewed. I'm, I'm spacing the names of the people, but he goes on and gets interviewed by like, I think, I forget who it was, but gets interviewed and he's like, you know, I love her. And like, we had such a close connection. I'm still thinking about it. He's like lost in love with her. Cause he's Meanwhile, like 19. He, he's like a boy toy to her. I don't know. But then, but then it comes out and then, you know, Jada wants attention around. I don't know what Jade is doing. She has this red table talk and I feel like she's not making it in Hollywood. I'm being mean. She wants to be like the next Oprah. So she creates this red table talk where you get to the red table and that's where you're like real serious and real transparent. And that's the whole brand is you get here and this is where the truth comes out. So then Jada does a interview, does an interview with Will and says, essentially like Chris Rock said, so, hey, I slept with, slept with Jaden's friend. How does that make you feel? Like, and put it out there. So, of course, people reacted to it, and people made fun of Will. And I think he was, you have this guy that sees himself as an alpha male, sees himself as always in control, and I think it really hurt him, and he couldn't lash out at her. And so this is, like, the perfect example of displacement where Will Smith turns around and smacks Chris Rock in an effort to, I think, vent his... 
I think partially in an effort to vent his frustration towards Jada, but in also in an effort to demonstrate to the world that he has this strong relationship with her. Mm. Like that's, I think, what, that was my takeaway. So I was interested to see how does Chris Rock understand it? And Chris Rock thinks it was pure displacement. That oh, yeah. Will was mad at Jada, couldn't deal with it, and so went and <laughs> smacked him. He was hilarious talking about it. He was like, the whole world called him a Everyone called him a bitch. Fifty Cent called him a bitch, but you don't see him slap. <laughs> going back to that, I think displacement is an accurate diagnosis yeah. for that. I was just thinking what was so funny about it, and what I think about is like where people also don't know their emotions. So like it was displacement, but he doesn't know what he's feeling. Like he didn't know that he was focusing his outrage of Jada onto Chris or yeah you know, trying to demonstrate his alpha males. He just had a lot of emotions. They were big emotions. He had big emotions. I, I think it's interesting that, like, I, I think I think that he chose to hit Chris Rock because he could, right? He's much bigger than Chris. Chris couldn't hurt him back. I just think it's ironic that he actually picked a guy with the world's biggest mouthpiece, <laughs> right? Like, it would have been one thing if he went and hit somebody bigger than him and he got punched, right? If he went up and hit Jason Momoa, then Will Smith would have gotten beat up, but it'd be done. That'd be it. What he did was he slapped Chris Rock, and then Chris Rock goes, "Give me a year, buddy." And now we're on Netflix, and the whole world is laughing at you again. Like, this thing is <laughs> never going to die because my special's hilarious, and you're the butt of the joke. Like it's a bigger punishment because he picked Chris Rock versus somebody else. It was just a massively bad decision, mm -hmm. and it goes back to um, I think about that flight attendant that got hit in the face by like. Um, I think he was on United Airlines and he got hit by, in the face by like a passenger when they were putting up their luggage. And it was like a couple couple weird things that happened to him on the plane. So he just grabbed a bunch of beers. This is a, Oh, I remember this on the, it was the, um, the jet blue flipped everyone off and then, and then went down the slides. Yeah. And I was like, that's like See a ya. not good self-control. Yeah. Although you got to admit management. It's, it's a pretty cool way to, if you're going to go out, Right? That's a pretty good way to go, go, go out. I th No, it's not. I think you, like, if those explode, like, um, it's like several hundred thousand dollars to fix, so. It's not You're so practical. <laughs> oh, no, that's really dangerous. <laughs> well, no, it's not just dangerous. It's, like, fi a financial problem for him because it basically, like, it's a way of, like, totaling the aircraft, I think. You know how, like, if our airbags deploy, it totals the, the car. I think it's similar with the aircraft. It's like a several hundred thousand dollar mistake. Really? Yeah, oh. I think so. Someone might correct me, but. I think the story was, I, I forget. I feel like he jumped out of the plane, grabbed a couple of blue moons, <laughs> and then jumped out and then like, went and walked to his car and drove home. And I think what should have happened is blue moon should have sponsored him. <laughs> right? They like, hey, it could have been like, hey, whenever you lose control, have a blue moon. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they want to. All right, I have a I have a uh, listener request that we discuss. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I have a teenage son who has experienced bullying in school. He recently told me that he made an AI friend on a chat site. Now that isn't the question. My son has artificial been, intelligent friend. Yeah. Like a, a like bot, chat be, a bot a bot. Okay. That's he's had a relationship with. My son has been in therapy for the past three years. However, I would love to hear your thoughts and any research you're aware of on the psychological impacts of AI friendships and relationships on human engagement. 
What do you think? Well, I think she wants to hear from a psychologist. Give me the, give me your thoughts. Because um, I, I don't, the answer is, in short, I don't have a strong understanding of the research in the area. So my answer will be a layman's answer. I think my answer for her is that it's just, it's not real. It's mathematical equations to give you what you want, just like Netflix, like algorithms, algorithms to, you know, find things that interest you and connect with you. And, and it's just not a way to build real relationships. And it, it's almost scary to me because it's, it's so emotional for the participant that it's like, it could be like mind control because they know it, the algorithm can knows exactly what that kid wants to hear. To me, that's, it's really scary, but I, I don't know. What do you think? Like they I, could advertise right to him, like thinking he's his best friend. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It started off. Yeah. So I, can I just play devil's advocate? So I think, so, so here's the, here's what I actually think. I think that it's a real problem. I think it's a real problem problem because the kid knows that it's fake. And the my guess would be that the kid doesn't have any confidence or it doesn't have much confidence when it comes to human relationships. And so if he's engaging in this, in this and it feels good and he can suspend belief for a little bit, but in the back of his head, he knows it's not real. And so it's not helping him, you know, leave his basement or leave his room and go out and actually interact with people. Or cultivate real relationships because it's like, it's like a coping me mechanism. And I'm sorry I interrupted yeah. you. I know that was rude. So I just wanted to make sure that got yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's like the problem with um, like the online dating and the texting is kids, I think, I think there's some research saying that kids are getting less socially adept, less confident interacting with actual people when they can just text each other. It's because of porn, sex has dropped like dramatic, like something like 30% less sex in this generation than the previous generation because of porn. Like all of this artificial stuff like sort of meets our needs. And so as a consequence, people don't, wanted as much. And I would, I would worry about this in that the kid is getting the social needs scratched a little bit. It's long-term probably hurting his confidence because he knows it's not real and it's enabling him to stay at home and not really have to go out and meet people. Yeah. And build the uncomfortable muscle right. of like the awkwardness when you're first getting to know one. So you'll never like there will never be a reason to be uncomfortable to get to the good stuff of a relationship. Yeah. Which is true intimacy, you know? Right. That's sad. Yeah. If she's listening, I would say I would encourage him to create relationships outside of his bot. So can I play devil's advocate now? Yeah. So that's my, that's my official position. Official position is that I think that there's some problems and I would never have thought about, by the way, like the marketing piece. You're right. That it, that's probably the future of marketing is you have AI bots that not just like on Instagram serve you up ads, but tailor the ad that you're hearing to your interests. Oh my gosh. It's, I have bots on my phone that send me messages from my apps and they're like, and they, I feel like they know me like my flow app. Flow app. Yeah. Fl flow app is so cool. Um, I wish I had it when I was younger, but it, it tracks your cycle but then it also gives you, it's like, are you feeling irritable today? Because it like knows where you are in your cycle. And I'm always like, yes, I am. I would like that app on my phone. Ah. I'd like a warning shot. Hey, David, you <laughs> might want to tread lightly these next couple of I days. I recommend it. But I'm always <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I am irritable. <laughs> are you feeling sad today? Yes. It's surprisingly accurate. And it's just a, it's just an algorithm. 
Okay, so the devil's advocate is there has been some research where bots can be used to alleviate mental health distress. So if you think about like therapy is a big transition. Can you do therapy over the phone? Can you do therapy over Zoom? And now they're saying, can a bot do therapy? And the answer is yes. At some level, I'm not saying it's as good as regular therapy, but in a pinch, people do like to express themselves to a bot. So if that bot makes them feel better, even though they're suspending belief. I think I'd like a bot therapist. You really just move. You do, I feel like you're, the pendulum is swinging here for you. <laughs> I do think I'd like a bot therapist because, because I don't think I'd like a real person therapist. <laughs> okay, any, I have my own judgments, but bot is basically like if I knew it was a bot, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but the whole reason people go into therapy is to not have some, not like a coach, what you do now, but is for you to ask in questions for us to find the answers ourselves. I feel like a bot could do that. Yeah. And so then I don't have to deal with like any of the shame of a real person knowing who I am on the inside and a bot, like a, I would feel much better about a bot knowing who I am. I like it. That is, it's funny because I could, because I've like <laughs> heard, I've heard about it and I go like, that couldn't possibly work. But since you said that, right? So it's like truly no judgment. You are having to write down. I mean, there's journaling or writing or like you have to formalize your emotions to write them down. Like, which is why journaling is helpful. Is you have to take like this massive emotion and energy and you have to distill it down into something that's you can communicate. And that process is really helpful. You have to do the same thing with a bot. So you're a little bit journaling to a bot that's objective. Well, the bot doesn't has zero judgment. Right. <laughs> Wait, how do I find one of these bots? I'd hey, like a bot. Hold on. Five minutes ago, you were like, this is dangerous and they're no, going to serve you. Because I, I know the bot is not my friend. The bot is. Well, so does this kid that we're talking about. He knows it's a bot, but it's scratching the social itch. But I, Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't, I think of it differently. Like I'm using, like I, I was thinking like he was actually trying to use the bot as a friend. The therapist is to help you find answers in life. Not like. It is interesting. Can I interrupt you? It's interesting to me that the pendulum has swung for you where you're now thinking about a therapy relationship as less intimate than a friendship. But is that what you think? Do you think therapy is less more? Do you think therapy is more or less intimate than a friendship? I don't think I've, I've um, had enough therapy to have that intimacy that I'm sure your patients have had with you. But would you, but you wouldn't want it. No, I wouldn't want it. Why? Tell me why. Well, number one, I don't know. I think the therapist that I had before, although I did like her, she served a purpose, but um, I felt like certain judgments from her uh -huh. that I still think about. You know what I mean? Ju Wait, she had judgments about you? Yeah. That you still think about? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like, really, after this, I, you have to tell me what the judgments were. I've you told you be I've told you before. Tell me offline what they were. I, I, <laughs> um, you, if you were talking to a bot, the bot would have recalled that also. Right, they'd have the log of all the things, and the bot would know. Like, oh yeah, I remember that five years ago, you said you, a bot might be a better husband now. For sure, <laughs> there's no question. Well, come on, I bring a certain value because of you know because I'm spacey, right? Keep things interesting. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about it? So I guess the mm -hmm. my side is I think that it is dangerous, but if your son is experiencing great distress, I probably wouldn't remove the bot. Yeah. That's my, that's my final conclusion. Or maybe it, as an and, 
it's an adjunctive to real relationships. Yeah. Like make sure he's not just hanging out with his bot, but he's cultivating and building that muscle to build friends, you know? Yeah. Cause maybe he does need, maybe we just, it's a therapist. The bot is, it's not a friend. Like if I thought about it that way, like he's using it as like a companion yeah. That helps him find his own answers. Just semantics. But you're right. But we use, now that you're saying it that way, I'm going like, we have dogs. Like people feel, people feel very connected to their animals. They can't even talk. I feel, I feel very connected. Right? You're to very people. connected to your dog. And so there's something about this, right? We, we anthropomorphize the but, bot just but like we anthropomorphize. dogs get mad at us. I mean, I, I, they, dogs still, even though they can't talk, they still have emotions like, when we leave, Tibble gets mad and poops on the floor. So yes. I, yes. he does have emotions, and we, yes. we there are certain things we have to live up to with him and expectations, whereas with the bot, you don't. Yes, but you do, I think, anthropomorphize. Am I saying that right? Anthropomorphize both of them, the animal and the bot. Hmm. That's interesting. I'd love to hear what you guys think. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting. A, yeah, I've, I feel like I've, my thoughts, my my perspective on that has swung a little bit. I'd like yeah. a bot in my life. I feel like I'm going to get replaced by a bot now. <laughs> Anything else you think is important to talk about today? No, that's right. it. Well, I love you. Thanks love for doing you. it. All right, bye. bye.